podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Extra podcast here at the Britannia Bet365. Bet365. Whatever it's called these days. <laughs> and where Palace have 1 2 1 to secure Premier League safety and to send down Stoke. This pod is sponsored by Miranda James Photography for professional, unique photography of weddings and more. Go to mirandajamesphotography.co.uk. It's a beautiful day. I wore shorts, I gambled, it paid off. And I'm with the one and only Tom Maslona. How are you, sir? I'm good. And do you know what? I looked at your tweet last night. Do I gamble? Your vote. And I actually voted and said, don't be stupid. (laughs) And now, as I sweat in my jeans, (laughs) I'm very, very envious of your hairy legs. Mate, life... (laughs) Well, (laughs) Well, not so much the legs. Keeps you insulated. That the legs are in. Life is a gamble, mate. You have to gamble sometimes. (laughs) Is that what Roy did when he brought Pentacle on? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice link to the game. Nicely done. Nicely done. Okay, well, let's talk about the game. Because obviously, I mean, the headline news is Palace are safe. Stoke are down. I mean, I think we all knew Palace were probably going to be okay. This one secures it. But the game itself was another one of these game of two halves. Palace not okay first half, but went behind. And then second half, they come out and they do well. And I guess maybe, was it the Benteke thing? You know, was that switch positive for Palace? I, I really think it was. You know, you've got me. We don't have Adam today, so I'm not going to be counted. <laughs> I don't think the system works as well away from home in first halves when teams sit a little bit deeper. And uh, the balls are played up to Andros and Wilf with the expectation that they'll hold, hold the ball up and get others into play. Yeah. Um, I, I do think the system's effective in second halves when, particularly if we've gone ahead or teams have to push on to try to win the game, as Stoke did in the second half. And they're spacing behind the back four. Um, Wilf has got tremendous pace, tremendous trickery. And I was actually watching it second half and thinking... God, last thing in the world you must want as a defender is Wilf, Andros, Ruben Loftus-Cheek yeah. running in behind you. And that's what they had. But in answer to your question, I felt they played Wilf really well, really well first half. They irritated him and they niggled him. Some cheap fouls frustrated him. And actually, it's a bit stereotypical Stoke, but they'd almost gone back a few years Stoke today. And they were niggly, they were intense and and they were fouling again and Benteke just levelled up that contest uh, for them at the back well the thing is and on paper that's kind of obvious because we know Stoke have got these bruises at the back haven't they and they've got Zuma and Shawcross we all know what he's like and that's what it was like today and when Palace when the front two went wide in the first half they were creating great opportunities and looked in the box and there was no one there no one there and what you need then is you need your MacArthur's your Kabais, who we know hasn't got the legs anymore, to be filling that box. And of course, second half, MacArthur did that, but you do need that focal point. And it, and it almost feels too cliched and too obvious to say, well, you're playing against Stoke, you need a big man up top. But actually, 
I mean, that's, that's exactly what it needed. And maybe it's because Benteke, you know, he actually put himself about today. He was creating space. He was finding space out wide. Maybe because he needs, knows he needs to prove himself. But it was actually square peg, square hole. Yeah, I agree with you. And we talked two weeks ago at Watford. And I said exactly that, that actually, I'm a big cricket fan. And if you go to India, you don't play four seamers. You know, you play yeah. a spinner. <laughs> and uh, actually, you go to Watford and physical side, you think it's well suited for Benteke. And the same today. Having said that, <laughs> do you change the team from a 5-0 win? You know, and uh, I still would rather play wan uh, than Ward. I'd still rather play a 4-5-1, however you stagger that midfield. Uh, with Will Fernandes out wide and Bentec out front, I think that's better suited to an away game against Stoke. But I, I do think it's, it's difficult to change a, a winning side when you've won five 0 and played so well. That was uh, the fourth game in a row that Roy's picked the same team. Which I don't feel like that's happened for a long time at Palace, and in particular, Tomkins and Sacco again at the back. Now they have never lost as a partnership at Palace, and again it feels like a cliche. But you've got that spine, you've got those two there. When they're playing well, it yeah. just reverberates around the whole of the team. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you want another cricket analogy? <laughs> I mean, I don't know anything about cricket, <laughs> but yeah, why not? I remember when Australia beat England in the Ashes a few years back. They played the same side consistently for five tests and beat England 5-0. And it's something to say about that familiarity, about people knowing their roles. And, you know, second half, and certainly last week, you got the feeling that people know where others are going to be when they're in possession. Um, you look up and, and you know that Ruben Loftus-Cheek is going to be making an overlapping run. Um, but Sacco and Tompkins are huge. Yeah. Uh, you just feel a sense of stability that you didn't get previously. And I don't remember in Palace centre-backs for an awfully long time. I thought Sacco today was outstanding yeah. um, in terms of his physical strength. But again, he's similar to, to the way he played last week. He's so composed in the ball. And those times we actually need to get the ball down and play, he is confident enough to put the ball on his chest yeah. and actually bring others into play. Well, speaking of bringing someone into play, we've been joined <laughs> live on the pod by Rob Warlow, Warlow, Warlow uh, from, well, not Gordon Advertiser, Football.London these days. Um, speaking of Sacco, I remember at one point at the start of the second half, you were doing your player ratings and you couldn't work out what to put for Sacco. You didn't have a rating for him. And almost from that minute, he went on to have a very solid second half. So first of all, let us know what you gave him. Uh, <laughs> do you know, I, can't, I think I gave him a seven. Okay. I, this, this is bad, and I changed him so, much, so often during the game. that I, I think it was a seven. Yeah. Um, it probably should have been if I didn't give him a seven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought he, yeah, he was solid. Um, certainly second half. I, I thought first half, it wasn't the best performance from Palace in general. I don't think anyone stood out, really. Um, but second half, they were a lot better. It was... Uh, not as bad as performance in the first half as Watford was the first half game, but they they definitely stepped it up second half and you know came back, got the win, which great result, survival. I think really, um, if truth be told, I've not seen our uh, probably take love to cheek out of the equation. I don't know what you think, Rob, but not seen the passing from midfield to be so so, so slack. Yeah. You know, Luca yeah. lost the ball more on the edge of his own box as well, yeah. and the, the goal came from it as well. Passing was so sloppy. Um, and actually, second half, sort of Wilf and Andros are really uh, working well, combining well together. But the passes from midfield into the front and even across the back were, were poor. You well, know, it, it almost looked like a team, Palace, and obviously it's not the case. In the second half, they stepped up, and the first half, it looked like a team that kind of were on the beach a bit. You know, it, 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 mathematically, they weren't safe, but it looked like a team that maybe thought, oh, 
Stoke can't break it, we'll get through this, we'll be alright. I, I had at half-time, I mean, I don't do half-time player ratings anymore, but if I had, it would have been a little bit scathing of the Palace players, to be honest, because at half-time I was there with fours and fives for most of them, because they, they didn't, they didn't turn up first half, really. Um, I thought Stoke, yes, the, the occasion, we all know what it meant for them, I thought they, they rose to that in the first half, and, you know, they... Although they didn't create too many clear-cut chances, I thought they were up and at Palace, and that probably had an effect, but I thought Palace just lacked urgency. They didn't, they didn't have that same energy that they normally do in midfield. And, yeah, it, it, I think Roy obviously must have had some words at half-time. I think it needed that. And obviously they came out a bit re- more reinvigorated in the second half. Which is obviously something he's done a lot this season. Mm. He seems to have the magic words at half-time. I wonder if it's the same thing each game. <laughs> <laughs> one thing to say um, but what they were doing Tom in the first half y- yes that urgency wasn't there but they were being for one I said something quite rude on Twitter but they were it was gamesmanship wasn't it they were looking to sort of slow the game down get on the backs of the, the Stoke fans which worked and, and I guess was part of a plan because um, Lambert said this week I want the fans to get behind every decision so Palace were almost giving them reasons to get annoyed and it was kind of fueling this bizarre atmosphere in the ground where everyone was getting very angry. The lady behind me was booing literally everything. But actually, it backfired for Palace because it meant they couldn't get anything going. No. I, uh, I, to look at it simplistically, I, I think we lacked, I've used the word intensity on the pod, I think, every single week. Um, I don't know if there is Maslona bingo yet, but <laughs> that, that would be on it. Or we should get your thesaurus, maybe. <laughs> yeah, as an English teacher, that's quite worrying. Um, I think it comes down to the system. I think it comes down to the system. I think it comes down to the fact that we need the boys to hold the ball up. Uh, the teams are playing deeper. They can't get in behind, and the midfielders, certainly early on in the game, are in more of a physical battle and don't have the opportunity to break forward. And then we don't have people in the box. If the passing's off, do you know, Jim? The one thing that worries me, uh, and it's been proven by the fact that when Wilf doesn't play, uh, we haven't won, is you look for someone to play the clinical pass the cutting pass and I thought Wilf was off his game first half I thought they managed him quite well and outside of that how many players are there actually that show the ability to, to unlock a door you know and I'm not sure there's that many when the game's tight I mean Ruben you'd say in theory has that I, sorry I, I did say earlier Ruben apart I thought he was excellent today um, but it does worry me you know I think that's also reflected in, in the lack of goals that we've got throughout the side you know without Wilf I do look around and sort of think you know what is there that's going to help us to create and help us to score goals in theory you've got a £28 million striker on the bench who scored 17 last season you've got Townsend who had put in the most crosses last season or at one point was doing that you've how got many goals com- has Townsend got this year? two two, two. you've got the components there, haven't you of a good team Wilf, Wilf aside do we just simply psychologically rely on him too much? That when he's not there, we think, oh, we're just not going to win today. Uh, yeah, I can go back to the system. I, I don't think the system suits. I think you look at someone like Kabai, and it's the end of the year, so maybe we can be a little bit reflective. Uh, possibly people will disagree with this, but Kabai's not the player I thought we were going to sign. And I think, um, to me, there's been two occasions, two consistent occasions when he's performed... Um, as I think I'd have expected him to perform, having seen him at Newcastle and Paris Saint-Germain. And that's been when he's fit. You know, I think he generally plays too deep. Uh, You look around the team, he's got the passing range. Luca, apart from today, has theoretically got the passing range. But do they get in positions to hurt teams enough? 
and I'd argue that this system doesn't encourage them or enable them to do that. I think, sorry, the 4-5-1, Ruben is probably the player I'd, I'd look to play behind the front two, but Kabai without legs, without the ability to sort of last a game, would he be most effective playing behind um, a forward? Potentially with his passing range, that's where he'd be most hurtful. Yeah, I think Tom's right. I think that Johan Kabai, he, we haven't perhaps seen the, the dynamism from him that perhaps people expected this season, but I think that is partly because of the role he's been asked to fulfil. I think he is pl- playing a bit deeper, and you know he's. I said it in I think in my player ratings today that he he sort of broke up the play, but didn't really influence it himself. You know, and, and that's kind of the role he's been asked to do. And I don't think you're getting necessarily the best out of him in an attacking sense, but you are getting you know a, a committed guy in there who's, who's, who's putting a shift in each week. But the problem is, in that role, he can't last 90 minutes, it seems. you know, he, He's nearly every week one of the first to come off when, when Roy makes substitutions. And I think that's because, perhaps, you know, he's, he's the other side of 30 now. Nothing Asking wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. No, I, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as, as a professional footballer at the top level, it's, it's natural, isn't it, that once you hit sort of 31, 32, playing in that sort of role, yeah, your legs are going to go a little bit. And I think... We're seeing that with Johan Kabai this year, and I'm not saying that's him finished as a player, but not by any stretch of the imagination. But I think if he's going to be playing that role, then 60, 70 minutes is probably what you're going to get from him. Absolutely. The main question is whether he will be here next season, but that is a question for another podcast. Uh, but let's hear from Roy now. This is what he said um, after today's game at the Bet365 Stadium, where Palace have won and stayed up. Doing? Okay, good to see you. Yeah, you too. You well? Yeah. Getting, getting grey like me. Hello. Hello. You okay. Part of the course, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. Who wants to start? Obviously, you were celebrating the win, and then immediately you dropped your hands. Oh, of course I do. Um, I think. All of us who are going to survive this year, if we've got any any intelligence, sensitivity, capability uh, to show some empathy, we're all going to think ourselves very lucky and very fortunate that we survived it and others didn't. I don't think Paul could have asked anything more from his team today. I thought that they were organised. I thought they were uh, enthusiastic, energetic, 100%. Uh, full of fight and, and, and willingness to win the game uh, and I'm proud of course of the fact that our team after a, a tough first half where we go in at 1-0 down we were able to come out in the second half and play the sort of football which enabled us to win the game but um, you've got to be happy in this league with, with every win you get in, in the league it, it, it will be hypocritical to start saying it's not something which gives you a lot of pleasure and a lot of joy to see your team win the game, but you don't get any particular pleasure when you see the pain etched on the faces of the coaching staff and the players here. Um, and of course, whereas we are in that happy position of being able to prepare next season and you know congratulate ourselves on having survived in the league, I'm afraid Stoke going to face the need to, to go again and to, to build up again but this is a big club this is a, a, a club that has had such a long period in the premiership and 
had so much success uh, and has an owner who cares so much and has done so much for the club that I think if they continue in the way that they've done in the last couple of months or so, I would be very surprised not to see them at the, up and near the top of the championship next year. Roy, you must have a great amount of satisfaction about getting the job done with Hollis, considering the position you're in in Yeah, it was, it's a, 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 I suppose a tale of three teams really. It's um, the, the important team is the, the guys who've gone out on the field and played and with all the injury problems that we've had, We've used quite a few players, not not because we wanted to, just because we at one stage we had ten players in the treatment room, and we lost we lost six players virtually season out. You know, Zaha's had two long spells, Schlupp's had two long spells, uh, Loftus Cheek had a very very long spell, Benteke's had two long spells. On top of that, we've lost lost guys like Punchin and Dan for the for the whole season. We've had all these things to deal with, so. I think the, the team that plays deserves all the credit for having produced the football necessary to stay in the league, you know, score the necessary number of goals and keep the opponents out and get the points on the board. But the, the other two teams I would sort of give a, a lot of credit to and would like to pay tribute to are the medical team and the sports science team because I've just told you we've we've had problems with injury this year that I've never experienced in my management career previously but we've overcome them and those guys have done well to get people back on the field again often much quicker than was originally uh, suggested and then of course the final tribute I would like to pay is to my particular team, you know Ray Lewington, my assistant manager Stephen Reid and a coach, the goalkeeper coach Dean Kylie, before him Martin Margeson I think all of these guys have done a very good job as well in in trying to ensure that the team goes onto the field each week as well prepared as they can be for the match they're going to play. Well, no, but I mean, I suppose every orchestra needs a, a band leader, and I suppose I, I've been quite happy to wave the baton this year. But it's been it's been a good year. Um, I will get a lot of credit, um, and. I'm not, I don't intend to be hypocritical there and say that I won't enjoy that and I won't enjoy the, the pats on the back that will come my way. But I'm certainly wise enough, I think, and hopefully sensitive enough to know that it's not a, it's not a one-man job, this. If you're going to do well at premiership level, you need an awful lot of help from an awful lot of people and you need to surround yourself with a lot of good people. And I would suggest to anyone starting in the game... Uh, that the the best people you surround yourself with to kick off with will be the players because at the end of the day players take you down and players take you up players win championships and players lose championships that's the bottom line Roy, you, sorry, 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 sorry. you obviously came in during the season how much are you looking forward to actually having the job from the start of pre-season so you can really have the, the full campaign depends how well I suppose we replace the numerous players we're likely to lose uh, how good the squad looks because I'll just go back to my previous statement you know if we're going to have a good season next season and a good season for us of course is stability you know we're not punting Champions League we're punting a season where we aren't frightened to death every time the match comes around that we're going to lose it and be back in the relegation zone I'll need a good squad of players and to be honest there's a lot of work for us to do Doug Friedman 
in particular our technical director, our chairman Steve Parrish, our owners Josh and Josh Harris and, and, and David Blixter. They've got an awful lot to do, I think, to make certain that when I come back to pre-season training, there's a team in front of me, a group of players in front of me that I feel confident will be able to do what these do because we're definitely going to lose a few good ones. There's no question of that. We won't have any choice. Okay, thanks. We'll just do the money. Thank you very much. Back to the Five Year Plan podcast extra in the back of a taxi on the way to Stoke Station uh, so that Tom can go to Birmingham <laughs> and we can go back to London. Um, this pod is sponsored by Miranda Jane Photography for professional unique photography of weddings and more. Go to mirandajanephotography.co.uk. So that was Roy in his post-match press conference there being fairly magnanimous as Roy does and um, trying not to sort of lord it over Stoke too much. But Rob, one of the things that stuck out was he said for the second time this week that Palace have got well, in fact, he called out four people, which is Dougie Friedman, mm-hmm. Parrish, Harrison Blitzer, that they've got big work to do in the summer mm-hmm. for transfers. Now, second time this week he said that, so clearly this is a big issue for Roy. I think so. I think he knows that there, there are changes afoot this summer, you know, in terms of the playing squad, and he knows that if Paris are going to be competing at the, the level that I think people expect or think they should be, that they need to improve the squad, you know, I mean, he said this week, which is perhaps a little surprising from Roy, that he, you know he came out and said it wasn't good enough in January. Basically, um, I'm not saying it's surprising in that I disagree with him because I think he was like, absolutely right, but I didn't exactly expect Roy to come out with that. Um, and he did say that you know they, they're going to need to replace those players who do leave because there are quite a few out of contract, and you know that's on aside from whoever might be bought or you know if there's offer, offers coming for people but I think he said that if, if Paris are going to push on and not be a club that's battling relegation every season then they're going to need to add quality and not just replace bodies which I think in January probably you could argue was the case they were literally replacing bodies yeah um, I think that they're going to need to add certainly quality probably across the squad to be honest in each position because you look at who might go and I think you know we've, we've said about Yohan Kabai he's out of contract could this be him moving on this summer potentially? Um, Ruben Loftus Cheek, if if the loan deal is you know comes to an end and nothing happens, then they're gonna, that's two two first team regulars they're going to have to replace there in the midfield. And that's not you know even mentioning like Joel Ward and Chung Yong Lee or you know I'd say squad players, but Damien Delaney you know that they're they're still bodies in the squad. I think certainly by yeah by calling them out almost you know saying by name Doug Freeman, Steve Parrish. I love they call him Doug. He, yeah, he does call him Doug each, each time, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> but I think he, he's, you know, he's sort of showing. He's, he's sort of putting his colours on the mast, as, yeah. it, as they say. You know that that he wants, he wants more. Yeah. You know, that I think, and I think, to be honest, I think he's entitled to say it after what's, what he's achieved this year as well. Yeah, because it's. I mean, every summer we say, Tom, don't we? It's the one where we kick on. You know, we're not going to be relegation battle next year, and this is a good team. But at some point, they have to get it right, and they do have to move on. I agree with you, and I agree with Rob. I think Roy, uh, regardless of the achievement this season, he should be trusted. He's got the experience where Paris should say, you know what you're doing, and I'm going to back you. Even more so then, taking into account um, the work that he's done this season. I think the key for me, Jim, is that we do the work early. 
and yeah. we give Roy Hodgson the chance to um, work with his squad of players in the pre-season because it's a source of frustration and from my understanding um, speaking to people within the club in, in January the manager was frustrated that, that transactions were left until the last minute and then they missed out on, on players that he may have wanted yeah. that's not the first time no it's not you know and we're almost sort of saying we're Steve Parrish needs to go against the grain but he needs to give us the chance to to progress you know are we going to have this season I said last week are we going to have this season as a grand dog day year in year out yeah, or are we going to try and push on and finish 7th 8th ninth? to be honest I think actually the the moving forward of the deadline will actually force that force Palace's hand in that respect because there is no oh let's wait and see how we get on after a couple of games this year they've got to get the squad ready by the time that they go out and play that first game and I think really they're going to have to make sure that they've got a good enough squad because at the moment you'd have to say that yes they've got a squad they've got talent within that squad that can keep, keep you up you know get you to survival but beyond that first 11 first yeah. 15 you know the, the, there's not many people that you would say are going to come in and do a job to keep Palace as a mid-table steady club and the fact of the matter is when we've had injuries we've seen the lack of depth in the squad you know and, and you're right 1 to 11 with the players we've currently got the squad is strong enough yeah. but but beyond that Kabai, if he goes, will be a huge loss. You know, you see um, Joe Allen today playing for Stoke and you wonder whether that's someone that potentially we could go in for. Um, but Loftus-Cheek will be huge. And in a sense, I feel that we may, his return to the side in the last few weeks may have actually scuppered our, our chances of, of getting him on a full-time deal because he's performed so well that if he goes to the World Cup and, and, and does well, you'd think that an incoming Chelsea manager would think, why would I not give him a chance? I think that's a big thing. If, if he goes to the World Cup, it's a shot window, isn't it? And yeah. I, I think that's, I think the big decision with Loftus Cheek will be down to the player himself because I think he will have to assess the situation come you know August or July when he comes back from if he goes to the World Cup and think, right, am I going to play at Chelsea or am I better off going elsewhere? Because if I was him... I think he's proved this year he can be a regular in a Premier League side. Agreed. And if he goes to Ch- goes back to Chelsea, I fear that he will be a bit part player again. I, th- I think the chairman's got a responsibility to someone like Wilfred Zaha, and also to someone like Loftus Cheek if he's if he is interested in buying him, in saying I want you to say not just because you signed a contract, not just because things didn't work out at Man United, but because I'm signing this player and that player and this player, yeah. and I'm taking the club forward, and I see you being a focal point in us potentially changing for Europe. You know, otherwise, if I'm Wilfred Zaha, he's at a crossroads to me, 25. Is Wilf too good for the current state we're in? I'd argue that he probably is. If you look at the, uh, the stats with him without him, then yeah, arguably, he's, he's arguably our most ever influential and best player when you look at the stats. Mm. Um, what I love about this podcast is that I can literally get out of a taxi and go and get money from a cash point and know I doesn't just leave you guys to it and I don't have to do anything. I, I, you don't I, know what we said. <laughs> <laughs> I said my Gunnasaurus story. <laughs> um, I, I don't even need to be here. It's brilliant. But uh, I, I also did miss what you said. But um, Roy has been so good this season and, and done such a brilliant job and, and there's talk about him potentially being nominated for manager of the year so I'll get your thoughts on that Tom as well but in a way he's proven himself so much that whatever he says this summer for the direction of the club he has to be listened to and he has to be trusted because he has proven that he can take this club forward yeah that's exactly what we said when you got out of camp (laughs) 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 brilliant we can repeat it if you want (laughs) it's fine so what are your thoughts on on Roy as manager of the year Uh, I, I, 
I can see the logic behind it. Um, you know, rationally speaking, you could argue he's done a far better job than Guardiola, but you know, we've been around football long enough that you know that the person who wins the league tends to win um, manager of the year. And you know, on the other side of the coin, Guardiola's got a side that are almost 20 points clear of second yeah. place, yeah. and they've played football that probably possibly hasn't been seen in England for a number of years. Yeah. So you'd argue he's got a good case as well. Yeah, although I think Pochettino this week, Rob, did say that Roy could be a, a candidate, and they do. There's two different manager, manager awards. Pulis won it last one year with Palace, didn't he? One of the other, yeah, there's did, like yeah. two awards. Yeah, he did, yeah. So Roy there's could. There's the LMA, isn't there? And then there's the. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Roy deserves to be a nominate, you know, nominated for it. And I think he, the job he's done, certainly he deserves that. Yeah. But like Tom said, I, I can't see going anywhere else than Guardiola, to be perfectly honest. Yes, Pochettino said I'd give it to the two. <laughs> I'd give it to Pochettino and Roy. Yeah. It's very diplomatic of him, but I can't see it. I think it will go to Guardiola. I mean, and also a, you know a special mention for Sean Dyche as well and what yeah. he's done with Burnley because that's a brilliant success story there I personally don't see why Palace can't be Burnley next season yeah Ooh, agreed. I love that that is a good part to end the pod on as well so thanks very much for listening uh, thanks for both for being on no, pleasure Jim nice to see you and Rob thank you lovely and our taxi driver Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, we'll be back with you during the week with a full pod to look out for that in the meantime enjoy your weekend see you again soon bye When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business dot com. Sports Social Podcast Network.